ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. And to kick off the week, I couldn't think of a better way to do this than to talk to my friend, Ronald Agers. Ron, the NBA uh, training camps kick off tomorrow, preseason games in a week. Um, with three weeks away from the start of the new season, this has been because not just because of the compression of time, but the way teams have been spending money and trading picks, this has been one of the strangest off seasons I've ever seen. Uh, not even, and if you think the off season was bad, wait till the season starts. Uh, it's very rare when you have to read the news to cover sports. COVID-19 is all over the off season. It's been all over the draft and it's, going to be all over this season this is a business season this is it's going to be 60 percent business yep and a lot of if you want any, any people out there that's going to get into sports or whatever the case if you want to go this year if you don't know your business you don't understand the salary cap you don't understand how financially strapped all of these nba teams are with the 40% that was reported that they're going to lose in revenue from the fans being mm -hmm. in the arenas, you can't do this job because you almost have to watch Twitter and the news. Yep. You got to follow COVID-19. I would recommend you to start reading Business Insider because all of this is going to be the reason why all of it is connected, even politics. Even when everybody talks about, oh, we don't want politics in, in, the, in, the, in sports. It's, in the, it's going to be this year. So get used to it. Because there's just so many, this is about, this year is about money. It has always been about money. But this year is about money and ain't nobody trying to hide it. No, particularly um, after what we've seen with the NFL, and with the way the, the college football world has handled COVID, they will do anything to play the games. And the mm -hmm. NFL is like, we're proud we haven't canceled a single game. And we have seen mockeries of professional football over the last few weeks where you have entire starting lineups essentially missing from teams. You had the Denver Broncos out there. And, uh, hey, brother from Wake Forest, uh, Kendall Hinton, all, all love to you for doing what you had to do and go out on the field, coming off the practice squad as a receiver. He hadn't played quarterback in years, and now you asked him to play quarterback in an NFL game against a top-five defense in the league. You are not just sacrificing the integrity of the game. You are putting people at physical risk for injury. You are increasing the likelihood. There's an assumed risk in football. But when you have incompetent people out there because of the fact that COVID has decimated their locker room, you went to the third string, you went to the guys off the street, and you have those guys playing roles like left tackle. 
Somebody like that has shown you that the owners, it doesn't matter. You see these kids getting affected in college football. They, it, the games are going to be played. They're traveling with COVID positive players. They don't care. You saw Dabo Swinney showed up in Florida State with a positive player and said, y'all, we want to play. How can you do these things? If they're willing to do it, the NBA after the money they lost and the fact that they pushed the CBA agreement back again, they are. They want these numbers as badly as possible because they're going to use every single dollar as ammunition to take stuff from the players. And David, let's just put. Let's, you know something. This will sum it up. And you're absolutely right. You haven't missed one. You haven't missed one point because the Denver thing was a joke. Was a complete and utter joke. But let's take the World Series. I'm a huge Dodgers fan since 1988. But even I was appalled at what at the and what those guys tried to put a pull off and, and major league baseball, them too. Justin Turner, uh, third, third baseman for the, uh, for the LA Dodgers gets pulled in the seventh inning in a deciding game of the world series. Okay. First thing we think, how did he, didn't he get tested? How did right. it slide by? And all, all of a sudden, you get in the seventh inning, because I'm like, because I'm going in and out. You know, you, we got to check the Twitter feeds and everything. We take our eyes down a little bit. What happened to Justin Turner? What happened to him? He got, he got a COVID-19 test, and it comes up positive. So he leaves the game. But as soon as the Dodgers win, who do you see out there celebrating with his teammates with no, no mask on? Kissing his wife. Kissing his, kissing his woman and saying, and, and made it clear. We won. I'm gonna celebrate with my team. But you got COVID nineteen, and what happened to him? Did anything happen to him? If you and anybody that's watching this, close your eyes. What do you see? Because Nothing. Well, like, that's what happened yeah, to, him. Goes to, Rob Manfred, to him. He goes to Rob Manfred and it says, "My bad." Essentially, not even a real apology. Just like, "Hey, yeah. my bad. I shouldn't have done it. Oops." And then Manfred says, that's, that's all we needed was an apology. No, you put other people at risk. You intentionally did that and knowingly did that. And think about this. If you can't get performance enhanced, get caught with some performance enhancing drugs in your body. 80 games. Robinson Cano, he's going the whole season. Whole season. No money. season. No money. And you're not going to get paid. Thirty million dollars has has a virus in the middle of a pandemic that can kill you. My bad, and can walk. So if that doesn't tell you what this is, if this is about money, if this doesn't show you this is about money, nothing else will. No, and it's it is a microcosm of the rest of America right now because you see more and more of it. Turn on your Instagram and you see people in crowds hanging out without masks, not distant from each other, and in large spaces in public. And so to act like, like you said, it's going to be political because this is going to get to the highest levels of government once you see a new administration come in. People are going to be saying, what are you going to do to stop this? Mm -hmm. and, and I think as we get into this, and you've already seen, when Rick Pitino, when Rick Pitino comes out and says the NCAA needs to move the season back to March, that tells you everything. That tells, that you, that that tells you how bad things are right now. For nothing. Yeah. You, you ain't looking to Rick Pitino for, for scruples. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if Rick Pitino is saying this ain't right, 
we need to move it back and see if we have a vaccine. Man, it's and I'll say I'll say this: I I did color commentary three games this weekend for Tulane University, mm-hmm. and when you come in, there's you know it's very limited. The, I'm I, I'm not even to get on the court. You had to have been tested. So to walk anywhere near the court, and that's going to be like that for the NBA this year, as far as I understand as well. You, if you're going to step a foot on the court, you had to have been tested. But for me, it's you come in, you temperature check, you have to wear the mask the entire time through the entire broadcast. I'm distanced from my broadcast partner the entire time. We do all of our you know stand-ups on split cameras. But even with that, and I'm going to just break it out. I went to the restroom at halftime, and Tulane has signs that say, do not use this stall, social distancing. So every other one is blocked, you know, there's a sign. Every other sink blocked off, social distancing. There are people who are not social distancing at the stalls. I go over to wash my hand and a guy wants to stand right next to me. And we literally almost get into a loud verbal conflict over the fact that I say, you're not gonna play with my health, man. Mm -hmm. And when these stadiums want to let people in and you see already what's happened with the Toronto Raptors who will be playing in Tampa because Canada is like, nope, y'all are blowing up in America and you ain't bringing that over here. I just don't understand how outside the bubble, even with the NBA doing these type series types games and keeping people in the same place, Man, players are players. You've taken the bubble away. Even in the bubble, people were breaching it. So now without that bubble, man, I I just see trouble. Well, it's going to be trouble because, see, me and my wife were watching a Reagan documentary. uh, Showtime, yeah. Showtime. And it's basically the same thing. Reagan had AIDS. Trump has COVID-19. But they ran their races on something that you just don't pay attention to. And I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Americans are selfish. Mm-hmm. Unless it happens to them or somebody dies in their family or they're laid up in a bed for two weeks, can't breathe it, and you need an oxygen tank just to stay alive, they don't care. The same people you say were not social distancing, the same guy that was all on you while you trying to wash your hands, are the same people that are complaining, going, well, how come there ain't no games? How come there ain't no games? See, there's a reason why Canada Canada never played anyway when it came to that health. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to do this. You're not going to shut us down. This is a capitalistic society. And this goes back to when we were talking. We've, we've had this discussion for months, and neither one of us is wrong. You can get some, you can get arguments from both sides and learn something. You're right, this is not going to work because everybody involved has to be all in. There is no doing double dutch to get in. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm play the basketball game, but I'm gonna slide on out to the club. Like the Lakers and the Clippers, I picked the Clippers to win the title last year. I cover the Lakers, but I picked the Clippers to win. The Lakers won the title because they were more disciplined. They had their leadership. LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, Frank Vogel, Rob Polinka, who was down there, made sure when you get off the floor, 
You're going to your hotel room. You're going to go eat. You're going to be doing team activities. You're going to be focused. We're going to win this title, and we're going to get out of here. That's why Miami don't have those problems. You ain't walking down the hall on UD. You ain't walking down the hall on Jimmy Butler when he came down there and said, I'm not really here to lose. I didn't come in this dang bubble to lose. And, oh, let, let Pat Riley catch so you you gonna disappear. So when you look at those four teams and Denver, which did not have any issues with people, and and had a team of guys who were relatively humble guys. Nikola Jokic ain't going around now. He ain't he ain't there to play. You know, it's not like you can't spot him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like the, and then the Celtics again, a culture where you're not gonna mess with Danny Ainge. You're not gonna mess with uh, Brad Stevens in that regard, and think you're gonna mm-hmm. step out of pocket and, and and ruin an opportunity for them in that way. And we saw that the teams that were less disciplined, like the Clippers that had a weak culture, like Philadelphia that had a weak culture, mm-hmm. like Milwaukee that had a coach that could not get the confidence of his own team because he refused to adjust. When your culture mm-hmm. breaks down in that pressure situation that the mm-hmm. bubble was, all of the flaws in your team get amplified. The Rockets' flaws got amplified. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's what you saw when the team started to collapse, the things that were wrong with them. We saw in the bubble. That's why I think as we get into this, before a lot of these teams, we'll see what the bubble effect really is going has carried over. Now, we'll yeah. start with the East. Let's start with the East. So let's start with Brooklyn because we got to talk Brooklyn because nobody's mm-hmm. more anticipated to be seen this year than Brooklyn. We've seen KD working out. We've seen Kyrie, what he said and done. You look at this team. Kenny Anderson was just out saying, "Hey, don't don't Karis Levert's the third guy. Don't go out there and get you James Harden. He's going to kill this situation. You got you got a brand new coach, Steve Nash. He's got all these dudes around him, like Mike D'Antoni, like Amari Stoudemire, who are who have egos of their own. How does this work in one year for Brooklyn? Because really, they may not get to. Well, let's go let's go to the end, and then we'll go backwards. They'll be out in the second round." They're going to be out in the second round. Uh, let's just be clear. Uh, they don't have enough. Uh, like we just talked about culture. Kenny Atkinson had a culture. The Nets were a playoff team before Kevin Durant, before Kyrie Irving. They were the Clippers East. Guys that worked hard, came to play, rebounded, played defense, played together, and they outworked the talent. You get two guys that come in, and they didn't play. I want you to think about that. Remember the very first game of the season when I say when Kyrie Irving went for 50? What did I tell you? Uh-oh. That was the end. Uh-oh. That was the, that was the worst thing that happened to the Brooklyn Nets. And, and Kenny Anderson, who I'm a huge fan of for the, from the Lethal Weapon three days, shout out to Kenny Anderson. He is absolutely right. If James Harden, which Gary, I'm telling you, he, he was in no danger of coming to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm laughing at some of these, these reports that saying, well, James Harden's coming to get Okay, he wanted to. Is there any I mean, way that I, I, Kyrie, first of all, was there any way that Kyrie Irving was going to allow that? You think, he, you think Kyrie came to, to, to Brooklyn, convinced KD to come to Brooklyn, and they, they said, we're doing this together in the hallway at All-Star Game. We know, remember? It's the hallway. <laughs> me and you. Me and you. Leaned up in the spectrum, so. And you're yeah. going to tell me that you're going to add a dude 
who is a higher usage person than both of them. Yeah. And Kyrie is a top 10 usage person all time. Harden is number one. Yeah. And then throw this in. Like Houston was going to – like Houston was going to do a deal without one of those two coming back. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, you don't you don't want to you don't want to dog out your 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 colleagues or anything like that. But it was so ridiculous to even discuss. It wasn't even worth writing about. It wasn't even worth putting putting fingers to a keyboard to even discuss it because of the money. Think of that. You have to match these salaries. Yep. Like, what are really going to do? They're going to have Kyrie Irving and nine players to go back to match James Harden's salary? Because you're in the not- middle of COVID-19 pandemic where the salary cap is, is basically inflated on credit. $19 million of credit on the salary cap to make that deal work. And you a new GM. And, no ma- and I want people to understand something. Granted, they're not going to be in the fans are not going to be in the arenas, but that does not say that doesn't give the um, the teams a uh, easy way out. You still have to put a, a product on the floor to put your butt in a couch in front of a TV set to watch the product because the real people that got the power television, those television networks, those local networks need to know that your team is good enough and is worth watching. Because if you don't slated, you know the two teams that are slated next year for the most TV appearances are the Lakers and Brooklyn. You know yep. that before they even release the TV schedule, it hasn't been done yet because we're gonna get the NBA schedule the first half of it this week. Mm-hmm. But I can guarantee you coming out, it's gonna be the Lakers and it's gonna be uh right behind them is gonna be um who we're talking about right now, the Brooklyn Nets as the second most watched team this year. Yeah. And 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 Clippers would be in that would be in that mix, but the colossal failure that they did in the playoffs, and then you follow it up with a free agency that was less than stellar. They're the Brooklyn Nets are now the new LA Clippers now, because right now I don't care what everybody is in agreement on one thing. All report, all reports. The Lakers with the moves that they made, the, barring injuries or COVID nineteen, because that all you look one, one one. If you're in the playoffs, because it's ten days quarantine, one eighty COVID nineteen one COVID nineteen infection or one uh, COVID nineteen LeBron infection. The Lakers lose. They're out. They can get beat. They can get upset. Mm-hmm. So right now, barring those two things, we know the Lakers are the strongest team based on the, per- the, the personnel that they have because they have improved. And I think everybody is just wanting to see, in a sense, what Brooklyn has. Because they're, hey, New York is the number one uh, TV, number one market in America. They're desperate for New York basketball, because the Knicks. We'll get to them in a second. We'll get to them. In a <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. They need that, and 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 they have to recoup a lot of money, because they're going to lose money this year. They're going to lose money next year, and they're trying to recoup. And again, and hold on. To... I gotta gotta make sure we clarify every time when we say lose money. What we actually mean, and it, just to remind you, is 
make less than they expected. Yes. Nobody will not. Projections. Nobody will be in the red, but yeah. they are making less than they projected, which is yeah. not where they want to be. They have, you know, they have their ten-year projections of revenue, and even mm-hmm. if they are going up, if they are not going up at the rate that the league projects, that means when they go back to their television partners, when they're talking yeah. about revenue, when they go back to their owners, when they talk about, when they go back to the players in particular, when they do the next agreement. The collective bargaining agreement, those revenue projections will be very much in play in those discussions. Absolutely. I mean, when we say when we say uh, they're losing money, they're not losing money like regular ordinary people like us. Yeah, they don't lose money in business. They're, the NBA is in no danger of ever going under. This is not the 1970s. They're going to be okay, but they do know that. They signed a, de- a television deal for a certain amount of money for ESPN and TNT and whatever on the on the strength that they were going to make a certain amount of money last year, this year, and the year before. This was not pl- COVID nineteen put a put a fly in the ointment when it comes to the finances. And, they, and when they, when you sign those deals, it's based on the ticket sales, and those ticket sales is a major amount of money. Not only the tickets, the um, the vendors, food, parking, there's a lot of money that's involved in that. So that's what we mean when we're saying the money is not flowing as much like they would like. Because like. the TV contracts are driven by the ratings, and if the ratings are lower, that means the TV, con- the TV networks are not getting the advertising revenue, which means that they have to go back to advertisers and charge them less per second when they so it's a domino effect all the way around and so that's why the nba cannot afford in its in a in the business sense could they afford in the practical sense yes they could in the business sense they will view this as they cannot afford to have any interruption any further interruption of their season they are going to do whatever they can to get those 72 games in yes because the magic number is 70. If, they, if, you, if it, 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 game 69, they got problems. And then um, we look at uh, – I want to get this on the uh, Steve Nash situation. Do you feel like Nash is going to be the one in control, or is this much more like a – and I don't want to compare it to Larry Bird because I think Larry Bird had a very clear idea of what he wanted to do as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He knew it was a short-term gig. He knew what identity he wanted out of his team. And that's what he demanded. But Rick Carlisle was very much the the chief lieutenant mm-hmm. in that regard. The same with Tom Thibodeau for Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Is D'Antoni the right person to be Steve Nash's right hand? Because D'Antoni is fresh off the bench. He's not a dude coming up. Thibodeau mm-hmm. had not been in a head coach. You know what I'm saying? Rick Carlisle was still a hot assistant at that time. He hadn't taken over the Pistons and led them to Easter Conference Finals after Easter Conference Finals. Mike D'Antoni is just getting over a bitter experience in Houston, and he's going from a place that had title expectations to another place that has title expectations and is not going to be patient. Mike D'Antoni seems to me like he's circling around Steve Nash already to be prepared that if Nash falters, he's ready to slide over that seat. Don't make me curse in here. 
<laughs> no, the man, look, they're trying to live off seven seconds or less back in the Phoenix days. They're just trying to put the band back together. Dan Tony has always been an opportunist. We know this. It, look, his, his, there was no way, there's no way this is going to work. Um, Steve Nash does not have the experience. Um, I don't know why the Brooklyn Nets did this again. That's, I guess that's kind of why it was a shock to everybody. They'd already gone this route with Jason Kidd. It did not work. Uh, yeah, the Nets made the playoffs, but Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and the fellas just basically stopped listening to him and say, okay, we're going to use our experience to get into the, get into the playoffs. Okay, they did. Like we just yeah, I mean, who, who you telling? And Steve Nash, and, and I'm not saying, just because you know the game does not mean you can coach and get the best out of other people. Like, we see what happened with Michael Jordan when he, when he was a general manager. And Isaiah Thomas. It's just, you know, it's just not going to work. I, mean, I think Zeke was not a – Zeke, his best asset was evaluating talent. Zeke was yes. incredible at drafting. Yes. Zeke was terrible in, in signing free agents. You should keep him away from signing any free agents ever. He never made and any you, and, and you and, and he's not a good – look, I love Isaiah Thomas, but – Not a good businessman. He's not, but he's not a people person when it comes to these – players – get tired of his voice quickly. I mean, bridges get burned very, very quickly when it comes. You saw what happened in New York. Um, you saw what happened in Indiana. I mean, Jalen Rose, one of, one of my all-time favorite players in the NBA. He loved Larry Bird. He, he credits Larry Bird for saving his career. He just knew going in when Isaiah took over that everything was going to be fine and everything, all right. And you know that was his idol. Isaiah's yeah, it was an idol. I mean, Detroit basketball, and it ended so ugly. But that's so, why I fear that with Nash is because mm-hmm. he's as scrappy as we want to say Nash is. He's still a Hall of Famer. He's still a two-time MVP, and mm-hmm. there is a certain mindset. And and I think it's fine. And when people say, "Well, yeah, he could communicate to Durant," and you know, Durant swears by these drills. That's all fine and good. Yep. But here's the difference. Steve Nash, yes, point guards. We see a lot of point guards. But who are the point guards who've been most successful as coaches? Doc Rivers was never a star. He's a journeyman. No. You know, he's a journeyman. He was a good player, but a journeyman. Yeah. Same with Steve Kerr. What a star. You know what I'm saying? A journeyman. A guy who can do a good a, – a, a skill really well – we tend to see that that the players that's we've always said the star players have a much more difficult time in transitioning to coaching because they only understand how to be a star. Yeah. Like you do what stars do. Like I know I can do things that other human beings cannot and you don't understand the eighth dude. You don't understand the 10th dude cuz you've never been that dude. Yeah. And usually the 10th and 12th dudes, those are the liaisons between the coaches staff. That's the dude who gets you fired. That's the players. Dude number 10, he gets you fired. Because yeah. if he's in the locker room tell, talking to the num- the star, and it's like, dog, you should have had more shots tonight. I don't understand what coach's doing. You, you were supposed to be getting the ball. And he over there sitting it down. That's how locker rooms get tore up. If you can't communicate yeah. with them down the line, cats, the stars mm-hmm. look like stars. That's what they do. 
I mean, I'm sorry. You know, they didn't get to that point. I'm not worried that Kevin Durant, unless his body ain't right, isn't going to score 25 points a night. I know Kyrie Irving can score 25 points a night. Does that mean they're going to win? No, it don't mean they're going to win. <laughs> and, throw, and, and Kyrie, basically, people really need to start paying more attention to what people say. Kyrie Irving said, we really don't have a coach. It could be me tonight. It could be Kevin it could be tomorrow. Me, it, yes. could be, it could be Mike. It could be like what he just told you. <laughs> could, could you imagine that somewhere else? Could no matter what the appearance in LA and for all the things that people anticipated behind Frank Vogel in having the assistance that he had, including Jason Kidd, you ain't hear none of that in LA. Mm-hmm. You had no problems in LA with that. The head coach has to be the head coach. Yeah, you know, at, at, everybody needs to understand because when they lose, ain't nobody gonna be saying fire Kyrie. It's nope. gonna be fire Steve. <laughs> so don't he ain't gonna take. I, I don't see Kyrie or Kevin taking credit for coaching decisions if they go badly in the in the late stretch of games. And the Nets don't have a good. I don't think they're, they're assistant coaches. I mean, they brought Jacques Vaughn back, but it's very rare that you. You're the interim coach. You interview for the head coaching job. You don't get it. And then you go back. And they and make to the, the highest paid assistant and then bring in Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And the reason why – and people talk about Frank Vogel. Let me tell you why there was no problems between LeBron James and Frank Vogel in the front office. Outside of Rob Palenka right now is, is a genius. Phil Handy and Lionel Hollins. You don't hear from those guys. You don't hear a lot about those guys, but those were the backbone of that coaching staff. You're not going to bully Phil Handy. Why he is not a head coach today is a complete and utter joke because he is the best basketball mind in the National Basketball Association. And Lionel Hollins, if you don't play defense, Lionel got fired in Memphis for no reason. In my mind, like, dude won 50 games and they fired him. I was like, okay. Because he don't play. Because he does not play. In other words, you're going to do it my way, and if it's working, I don't want to hear you. So the general manager, and this is what got him fired, the general manager felt the need to come down and talk to the, uh, talk to the media and, and stick his nose where Lionel Hollins felt disrespected, and he cussed him out in front of everybody. <laughs> And this is why they were going to the Western Conference Finals. See, Memphis was garbage before the Hubie Dave, before the Hubie Browns, and then the Lionel Hollins keeping it going the Grand Grand City era. So they were winning. Let's be clear on that. So he's saying, "Don't come down here messing with my flow, my vibe, my mix. We're not doing that because you you brought you brought me in to do a job. You're going to do a job. But the main thing is." There's a reason why the Lakers were third in the league in defensive efficiency. Because you will sit down. Do you really want to hear Lionel Hollins? Do you want to sit next to Lionel Hollins getting backdoor four or five times? No. Lionel don't play. So it's those two guys that back up Frank Vogel. And it, it was just a perfect mix. The Nets don't have that in any way, form, or fashion. So we Miami, the team that did make the NBA Finals last year, they, they really didn't do much in the offseason. People talked about them potentially getting in the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. I didn't think that they would. It didn't make sense to me because it felt like 
why are you just going to get a lesser Jimmy Butler? Like, you don't add a lesser Jimmy Butler to Jimmy Butler. What Miami needs to me, and it's fine that they re-signed Goran Dragic, but he's 35 years old. They needed a, another point guard. Um, I know they like Tyler Hero, but I don't think he's a point guard. I think Tyler Hero is a scorer. Um, and we saw him have trouble against the Lakers when it came time to make decisions with the ball in his hands. They need a point guard, and they haven't gotten one yet. I think what they're doing is they're chasing Giannis. Uh, I'm gonna just be, let's just be honest. What they what they're doing is they're just holding. The, they're just going to hold court and try to run it back and make a run for Giannis next year. You, you have you, with what you already said about the adjustments of the coaching staff during the playoffs. They're not getting any better. They figured out a way to handle handle uh, the Greek freak while work, taking care of everybody else. It's just not going to work. Yeah, does Drew Holiday, he on his last year of his contract, he can leave at the same. He can leave too. I mean, Toronto resigns Van Vliet. They gave him a ton of money. They give Van Vliet a whole bunch of money um, to keep him in the mm-hmm. net. Um, so you have to be expecting since they got Siakam already under his extension. You've got Van Vliet. You've got Anunoby, but you lose. Your center is in Ibaka. You lose your other your other center in Gasol. Now Toronto, that's that's where you wonder is who's going to have to step up because Chris Boucher, yeah, he's rugged, but that's six nine. He's not a giant, and the 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 teams at the top now are getting much bigger. The Lakers are big. Um, the Clippers got bigger as well. Um, Philly is still big. There, Miami has Bam. You better have somebody down low, and I don't know what Toronto has right there right now. Well, they re- they replaced uh, a spot with Aaron Baines, but I mean he played well. But it's with, it's with Phoenix. I mean it's the same thing with Kelly Oubre. You yeah, just don't you're losing a, right? a riot. If you get you're Aaron Baines, you just get bootleg Gasol. Yeah. So, and we, and Pascal Siakam is going to have to be the guy they gave that big contract to. I mean, it's not fair. I mean, look, he, I, we hope he doesn't – he hasn't plateaued. We, we we hope he builds on the struggles he had during the playoffs. But he's going to have to play better. He's going to have to play harder. He's going to have to be more aggressive. He's going to have to – like, if he's str- like if he's struggling, you're going to have to forget the last shot when you're four for 13 and not disappear in the fourth quarter and expect Fred Van Vliet to take the big shots or Kyle Lowry to take the big shots. He's going to have to really get better. Big, this is a bigger problem because Boucher, like you said, he's 6'9", but, hey, he ain't the biggest brother in the world either. They could push him up under the, under the rim real quick. So, I think yeah, the Raptors – Like a Baca where he could extend it out, out there. So, they, they, they've got something that they need to get uh, bigger up front because yeah. Siakam wasn't ready to play power forward last year. No. And not to be and to be and to take Kawhi's responsibilities. Either you, it's one thing to know to have that talent, but the responsibilities of being a superstar and getting them twenty points every single night is a lot harder than people realize. And they just naturally assume, okay, you got a hundred fifty million dollar extension, bam, go out there and uh, get us 20, 20 and ten a night. Do what Kawhi did. He's not that guy. Is Boston any better? No. No, Kimball Walker is going – there's a problem here, and he's going to be the X factor. Is his knees 
gone. His knee, we watched his knees deteriorate during the playoffs. This is a guy that needs to learn how to play with Jason Tatum. He just got his $195 million. He ain't going nowhere. Jalen Brown got his extension. He ain't going nowhere. And they, and rightfully so. These are great players. But there's something that was brought up, and I think uh, we need to take a look at what Danny Ainge is doing. He was Sam Presti before Sam Presti. He used to hoard all of them draft picks have this treasure chest and you're waiting for that big deal that never happened. Now we see Gordon Haywood leave. Kyrie Irving has left. You're seeing big time free agents. Al Horford left. The, we know Kyrie Irving has not played well in Brooklyn. He was hurt all year. Okay, fine. Al Horford was terrible. And that gives and Gordon Haywood, I wish I had his agent. But you can see just talent is not enough. The chemistry in that locker room, something is wrong there. Something is very, very wrong. The young guys, rightfully so, because they're, 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 they're cocky, they're arrogant, they think they're the best thing in the world, and as well they should. But they need to have that chemistry mix with the veteran players, just like the Miami Heat. Udonis Haslam does not play. And they just better believe all the young guys listen to him. They just gave another contract. They signed up for one more year. Yep. You got to have veterans like that. So so what does Tristan Thompson – Yeah, I know Boston needed a big, but Tristan Thompson is an extremely limited big. He is a fantastic offensive rebounder when he's engaged. But other than that, he's never developed a real offensive game of any sort. He is not particularly fast in transition. He's not a passer. He can block some shots, but I wouldn't call him a shot blocker. <laughs> Just be glad to keap it up with the Kardashians is, uh, is, has been canceled. He can't I mean, pick and roll. So yeah, what, he can't. I, I, you have a big. You have a big guy. You have a big guy that can't shoot and your big man has to shoot in the, in the, in the NBA. I'm sorry. You got to have a 15 foot jumper or you're not qualified to play in the NBA. He doesn't, he doesn't rebound enough to be that lunch pail guy or that dirty work guy. It, like he's, he's Al, he, he kind of Al Horford light. You know what I'm saying? With less, without a jump shot. He can't like if if you can't give him points in a pick and roll as a big, no. And he can't hit a baseline jump shot, no. And he's not a great athlete at this. I mean, he was a he was pretty good when he was a young player, but he's at stage now. He's not an athlete. You're not gonna be wowed by his athleticism. So like I said, he's not a passer. Rich Paul, Rich Paul hey. is a great agent. Rich Paul's a great agent. That's all you got. That's all you say. Him and LeBron are tight. This is why I don't understand. If you're the Celtics, why did you not throw money at Christian Wood? Why did you not throw money at Christian Wood? You needed a four who could stretch the floor for you and play some five, can block shots. That's Christian Wood. You weren't going to get him for $19 million. (laughs) 
Look, you gotta look. The general managers, the, the old. I'm telling the you, the Pistons were taking on contracts for anybody. The Pistons were taking everybody. They were like, give us your trash. We will take your trash. The Pistons were like, oh, like, they were having a garage sale. Except that you are the garage. Uh-huh. And that you telling me that they couldn't have worked the deal to take that because the Celtics get a twenty, what, almost a thirty million dollar trade exemption, exception. For sending Haywood to the Hornets, which I still don't understand what Michael Jordan is doing, and we'll visit him in a second after we close, <laughs> close this out. But the Celtics, I don't like. You are they are so reliant, like you said, on Kimball Walker's knees and a very short bench. You do not have a quality bench there. Robert Williams will have to bust his behind as yeah. you're big off the bench. And he is undersized. I like him as a player. I think he is a very good player. I think as a sixth or seventh man, my defensive guy at the bench, I love him. But if you got to play him 25 minutes a night, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, Danny Ainge is just – he's trying to – it's in one of those cases where you're trying to be the smartest guy in the room and you're trying to just show your brilliance and your being how, how smart you are and these great moves and you're trying to show these chess moves to everybody, but you're outsmarting yourself. I mean, what the Lakers did, um, look, what the net, what Sean Marks did for the last five years, what Sam Presti is doing now, there's a plan. In other words, we're going to do this with this budget, and we're going to stick by it. He is changing up. He is changing up his plans and changing certain things up as he goes. And now he's getting stuck. Now he's getting stuck. I understand the Gordon Hayward thing did not work out or whatever the case may be, but you brought in Kimball Walker, gave him a max deal. His knees, you had to know the Bobcats slash Hornets had been running him roughshod for years. He was the only reason. And you got rid of Terry Rozier, who was playing well. Look, how many years was Iverson's peak before his injury started slowing him down? How long did Isaiah Thomas get? 11 years. People forget Isaiah Thomas played 11 years. Like, well, I mean, essentially 11 because in his last one was 92 before that, the Olympics thing, everybody tore his Achilles that season. So it was essentially 11 years. Like, little guards who rely on explosiveness do not get, in, do not get the long careers in this league unless they are stocky and, and become a DJ Augustine type or something like that where you, you never were particularly explosive. But Kimball Walker relies on his athleticism, the ability to come off screens, the ability to navigate into tight areas and get floaters off and, all, and be explosive enough to get the full height on his jump shot because that's a big part of it. Kimba gets off the ground for that jump shot. He's not a set shooter. So, I mean, yeah, if his knee ain't right, he's not a great defender and he's not a point guard. So all those things, when Marcus Smart is your point guard, mm. and I like Marcus Smart as a player, but it's the same as having Avery Bradley as the point guard for the Lakers. I think the Lakers postseason probably goes differently if Avery Bradley is running the point instead of what Rajon Rondo was able to do for them in that situation. So, yeah, I, I don't know if Boston is any better than they were last year. And throw this in, too. It's hard to be the number one guy for seven, eight years, and then you come up to, and you're the third guy. And that's what Kimber Walker's got right now. Guy. He has to be the third guy. Like, Tatum and Brown 
are the future and then you have to build everything has to be in consideration for them. Everything. If it don't work for them, it don't work. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to uh, Philly, which still hasn't figured out who it is. Um, I, I, I see that they don't, they go double down and say, we keeping Joel and, and Ben together, though they do not want to be together. They add a little bit of shooting in Danny Green. You add a little shooting in, in Seth Curry. And, and I, hey, I like Seth Curry again. These are role players. But I think it hurts when you get rid of Josh Richardson. I think that is a problem because Josh Richardson was one of their elite defenders, and they don't have a ton of great defenders on that team. And I wonder what kind of minutes – I'm a big um, – um, I keep, I hate that I mispronounce his name. Um, uh, Matisse um, – Tybal. Yeah, Matisse Tybal. I love that dude, and I hope he gets minutes. But Doc Rivers – is going to go with these, these vet dudes. Seth, again, and Seth Curry is his son-in-law. We just went through this stuff in L.A., <laughs> and now you bring son-in-law. You have coached your son. You have coached people who have dated your daughter, and now you're coaching someone who is married to your daughter. I don't like it. I, it's going to be to be decided. And, look, the key to the Philadelphia 76ers – and if you asked me this last year, you would I I, I would you you could have just said whatever, man. It's gonna be Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is is going to make moves. You just don't know what the moves are gonna be. But look, he got rid of Al Horford in that horrible contract. So we gonna have to give him some time. Because Al Horford was horrible. Uh, if you saw, if you thought Embiid was bad with Simmons, he was even worse with Horford. You can't play him with him. It didn't yeah. make sense. It never made sense. No. You need an so, athletic big with Embiid. You can't play Embiid with a guy who does what Embiid does. Yeah. And and that 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 and look, Elton Brand, that team is gonna have to do something. And I mean, I'm talking Eastern Conference Finals, game seven, or get to the NBA Finals, or they're gonna tell Elton Brand uh it's been fun. Uh, because that was a huge mistake. That that contract he gave Horford was a mistake. Daryl Morey comes in and takes care of it inside of 30 minutes when he gets there. It looked bad for Elton Brand. I'm rooting and I'm rooting for him. But Joel Embiid is going to have to get into shape. You're going to he's going to have to grow up. I've said this for a while now. You're going to have to get into shape because your knees are bad because you're overweight. Your knees ain't nothing but shock absorbers. You're carrying two, and they keep saying, 285 pounds, 300. The program weight does not mean the weight he's carrying now. He's going to have to get in shape. You're going to have to get in the post and beat people up. I, I, I used For years, I used to just get all over LeBron James. Like, nobody's going to stop you in the post, dude. And then in the playoffs, what did he do? He went to the post. Joel Embiid's going to have to do the same thing. Ben Simmons? For the grace of God, please learn how to shoot. He's not even a bad shooter. It doesn't have to be the three. Ben Simmons has to be able to take two dribbles, pull up, and knock down a jump shot. If he can do that, what he does is create gravity so that people do not assume that he only has one of two choices, either drive all the way to the rim or pass it. Because if he – not going to do either or if it's only those options I can defend him and that's why you don't see Ben Simmons going off for 40 point games on a regular it's because he's not capable he doesn't have a, a low post game he doesn't have a mid-range game it is either drive to the basket 
or and get fouled or dunk in transition. Ben Simmons' game has not evolved. And for somebody, who was that fool who said that Ben Simmons was the next LeBron James? It was this summer. Like maybe Dwight Howard. Look, it's Dwight, man. Look, man, it's Dwight. Yeah, it's Dwight. That was what it was. Look, man, you, 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 look, it was Dwight. You can stop right there. It was Dwight. <laughs> why? I mean, why? Like I said before, why people are taking these people seriously and turning these headlines into stories is totally ridiculous. You have to understand who is saying these things. LeBron James, didn't he? Yes. I just was. Just I would put. Look, honestly, I have, I have, I have, I have, uh, I have scar tissue in my right shoulder. But I'm telling you, you give me six weeks. And I get my shoulder back for rehab. You can give, you could put twenty dollars on me out shooting Ben Simmons. And your listeners can say, "Man, you don't know what you're talking about." Look, if you have no confidence in your jumper, which the entire NBA knows, he does not have any confidence in it. Brett Brown begged the man to shoot. Hey, we need you to shoot two or three shots a game. Just take him. You, like I said, just take him. That's what they were saying. Was just take him. We, I don't even need. We him don't to care if you miss so. Just get him to catch and sh- get to the point where you can catch and shoot. That's where you have yes. to get to the point. I throw it to you, you catch it, you shoot. Stop wanting to just drive to the basket because now every time you do that nonsense, you make Joel float out to the three point line, and because Joel is at the three point line, he cannot dominate the post. Down low, and when he gets fouled, he can't shoot free throws. <laughs> he cannot shoot. So if you can't shoot that Lonzo Ball gets, and we're going to get into Lonzo in a sec, but for all the stuff Lonzo Ball gets, has Ben Simmons actually gotten that much better since his rookie year? No. So. No, because he gets $170 million. So Lonzo's not getting $170 million. No. Ben Simmons, any made any uh, All-NBA teams yet? No. This Simmons has been named top 10 in the MVP vote yet? No. This Simmons all defensive team anytime soon? No. Play but he got his coach fired. Yeah, yeah, he did. So, I don't, don't get love, dude. I don't get it. He dated Kendall Jenner. I mean, he dated Kendall Jenner. So I saw him at LSU, times. and I saw he didn't give a damn. Like, it wasn't – I get the dudes come in and they think that the I, they have every right to think that the college game is beneath them when you are a certain level. I get it. Yeah. But he didn't give a damn. That was the thing. He didn't give a damn about the dudes that he did have to play with. And that's it. It's like, at least give them their respect as your teammates. They here working too. They got dreams too. And if you don't, and Ben Simmons had no concern for what those dudes were going through. It was about Ben Simmons. And yeah. I thought, and it still I thought is. that told me everything I needed to know about him. And I don't think he's changed. I think he thinks I think he believes he's a much bigger star than he is. Yeah, because he cause he cause he's with clutch sports. And you know clutch sports is gonna cover their people. I don't care how bad he is, they can tell him they could be Rich Paul and LeBron could be pulling him to the side saying, bro, you need to work on your game. And he has to do it. And see, when he got that $170 million contract, it's not Everybody keeps saying, well, we're going we're gonna to run it back with those guys. Part of it is they can't trade those contracts. They're, they're huge. You got to be able to take those contracts. Those teams can't take those type of, de- type, type of deals. And, you're not, and if you're a general manager that wants to stay employed, you're not going to pay – you're not going to take on a $170 million contract from a guy that can't shoot. 
and who won't post up. Who won't post up. Yeah. He doesn't have a turnaround jumper from the baseline. He doesn't nope. have an up-and-under move. Nope. So if you don't have any of those things, how is his game going to age? When his athleticism begins to diminish, and at 6'10", he's no longer faster than other people at, who are 6'5", when he's not a gazelle anymore. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, it's not like LeBron, where you saw where LeBron had all the other net things necessary when he didn't have the jump shot. When the jump mm-hmm. shot was messy for LeBron, he had all the other stuff. Ben Simmons don't have all the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that, that to me, that, that's – you have to separate those two at some point because, to me, it's it, – people keep saying, well, if you got talent, you'll figure it out. No, that's not how teams work. That's you know, not how life works. That don't have any rings. Yeah. It's got a mix, and it, that's something you cannot buy in a store. It, it, you either see it or you don't, and that's yeah. why – you know, we're going to get into some of these other teams real quick with the rest of the East because I don't want to go long on these teams. But that's why for the Wizards, it ain't going to work. John Wall, Bradley, they don't want to play together. You can't tell no. me. And you can't trade John Wall. No. Untradeable. Contract. So how are you getting better? You signed Robin Lopez. That's, <laughs> how, that's how you got better this offseason. And you got a kid who's coming over at 19 years old from Israel who, uh, hey, all power to him, but kid is, weighs like 85 pounds and needs some time. So Robin Lopez is your offseason. We got Robin Lopez. We got Robin Lopez, dog. We got Robin Lopez. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That just hit me wrong. Yeah. Look. Folks, they just, they're just, right now, they're just, uh, they tread water, man. That's really <laughs> Because, like I said before, this is, I'm sorry, if you, this is really a business class inside of a podcast. They can't get rid of John Wall. Bradley Beal is their best, is their best player. But guess what? If you trade Bradley Beal, what are you going to get back? And you have to sell your fan base to get them in front of a TV set. All, all these fan bases in the, and that keep saying they, they want Bradley Beal, tell me. Let's go through. The Lakers can't get Bradley Beal. They don't have the assets to get Bradley Beal. They don't have the draft picks. They don't have the young players. The Lakers are not built to, give, to go get Bradley Beal unless he were a free agent and they could figure out how to make it work. But as a trade partner – can't be ain't nobody gonna be a, do a three way with the Lakers to get them Bradley Beal ain't happening. So the Clippers ain't getting Bradley Beal because you think that if I'm the Wizards, I'm taking Paul George back for Bradley Beal? Nah, it ain't working that way. <laughs> I'm taking on that. The only, the only the only team, and I'm I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious, and I'm holding out for it. I think it might it might happen. I'm not saying it happened, but it might happen. The only team that's going to take Paul George after that colossal debacle during the playoffs is the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets. You want to know why? So they can offload that Russell Westbrook contract. But Jerry West ain't taking Russell Westbrook, and I don't care if Jerry West ain't the actual general manager. He ain't going to let nobody bring Russell Westbrook in that room and have a usage guy like that who can't shoot, whose athleticism is diminishing, and is getting is very stuck in his ways, and you're going to put him with a brand-new coach and around Kawhi, around Kawhi, 
What's going to happen the third time Russ pulls up and transition for a three? They'll sit him down. But I'm going to tell you this, though. Paul George, when your teammates don't like you, when they look at you, you side-eyed. And look, you you, you basically disappeared and, and we found your game on a milk carton in the bubble. And you you were part of the greatest collapse in NBA playoff history. And then you turn around and hit the side of the backboard. And then all of a sudden, you come into the locker room after you've been humiliated in front of the NBA world and mess up a business opportunity for the NBA league in general. Because we waiting on the Clippers and the Lakers to go to the finals after a 3-1 uh, lead. And all you got to say is, we got to commit. I just, I just know Patrick Beverly. Montrez Harrell probably left. The, he probably signed with the Lakers then. I mean, so, yes, they would. They might take. They might make that deal. When you lose the bench guys, remember we just talked about that earlier. They yeah. lost the bench guys, and the bench guys were what held the Clippers together for mm-hmm. those years. It was the Montrezes. It was the Lou Williams. It was those guys. Doing the dirty work. Pat Bev was supposed to be a is supposed to be a bench guy. He's not supposed to be starting that point guard. Let's just let's be real about that. He's not a point guard. He's a he's a basketball player that you put out there to do some stuff. And he has a case yeah. he can score a bucket, but he ain't no point guard. But those dudes, when all three of those guys who own that locker room, because they've been there, and they mm-hmm. say, No, nah, this is we ain't about this life. You ain't gonna come in here and be special. You, Kawhi, and Paul George will come in here and get special treatment? Nope. Nope, it ain't going to work like that here. And if that's the case, and you look at what the Clippers had, and the Clippers, hey, we get into, like I said, we just finished the East, but I think they took a step back too. I think they did. Yeah, Serge Ibaka ain't it, man. That is not, that is not Serge Ibaka. That's Serge Ibaka. I mean, he played better last year, but he's not the athlete that he was. And that's the thing is you, if you're trying to have somebody go up against Anthony Davis, then – and that's what your goal is if you're the Clippers, to have somebody who can attempt to neutralize Anthony Davis. The Baca isn't mobile enough to do that. I, that's the thing. It's one thing to have Zubach, but you basically – you got – in the Baca, yeah, he can shoot the three a little bit. Okay. But it's not. He's not gonna get on that block, and and he's not gonna guard Anthony Davis at twenty feet. He ain't gonna guard him at. He ain't gonna guard him at two feet either. Zubac should have stepped back too. He got his little. He got his little twenty eight million dollar deal, and he regressed right along with it. Everybody. I'm just saying. I'm saying for sure. I'm saying Ibaka can't guard Anthony Davis if Anthony Davis mm-hmm. has him lined up twenty feet away from the basket. If he if he starts jab stepping on Ibaka, he's gonna drive by him. So Clippers did not get a – if you're going to lose Harrell, which was the dude, which I think more than anything, the Lakers took Harrell because that's the dude who used to beat up on Anthony Davis. Yeah. Harrell is the dude who used to punch Anthony Davis and elbow Anthony Davis. So you took that problem away from the team Mm -hmm. that was your most direct competition, and you can slap that dude on the bench, and he's going to come in and do all the dirty work for you, and you put him next to AD on the starting lineup when you need to, and he'll take all Mm -hmm. that abuse that AD doesn't want to take as center. So that's what you go ahead and do if you're the Lakers, and it makes perfect sense. And if I'm Montrez Harrell, makes real sense too because I'm going to go right across the building, and I'm going to move my stuff. And over here, at the very least, not only are they paying me, but I'm going to be treated like a god. Because I'm rolling yeah. with the Lakers. And see, something – and we were talking about the chemistry of the, the Clippers uh, locker room. Something happened because two years and $19 million, he could have got more money. He turned down the Hornets. 
Mm-hmm. He could have got more money. So in other words, in two years at $19 million, he's worth more than that. He was looking for more than that. Something, th- this is a little bit personal. In other words, he wants to stick it to them and he wants to laugh and go look at what you missed. Also, so let's go to the West then, because there's nobody else in the East. I don't, you know, Atlanta, okay, Atlanta did a lot. Atlanta did a lot. But the, the Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Rondo, which, look, I think, I think they're getting gamed on Rondo. Like, Rondo works in very specific situations. Uh-huh. Atlanta is not that situation. This, 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 to me, has a very Chicago feel to it, is that the culture in Atlanta ain't going to be right for Rondo. I don't know. I think Rondo, Trey Young needs a mentor. I mean, look, he is a he is, is he a uh, dynamic talent. He is fun to watch. He can score with the best of them. But have you really seen him play, mate? He turns the ball over a ton. He does not defend very well. He needs to learn the nuances of the game. He look, he's make, an all-star. He didn't make Reddish better. He didn't make Herter better. He didn't make um, – any uh, what's he, what the the other one from Virginia, the wing from DeAndre Hunter. Uh, DeAndre Hunter. It didn't, him, it didn't make him better. That's the thing. Is like, and John Collins has kind of plateaued a little bit. And I love John Collins, but the mm-hmm. last couple of years he hasn't gotten better. And part of that I think is because even though he and Trey Young went on the court together, their offensive rating is fantastic. They're both horrible defenders, and. If what what do they have in the middle? I like a Kongwu. We both liked a Kongwu, but again, a Kongwu mm-hmm. is six nine. So you put still, six nine and you gave still away. Still got Clint the, Capella though. They still got Clint Capella. Is but are they gonna run, are you gonna run pick and roll with Trey? Does Trey Young run pick and roll with Clint Capella? Because it seems to me with Trey Young, you are gonna end up with more pick and pops than you are gonna end up with pick and dives. That's where, that's, but that's where Rondo comes in. They're going to need a veteran leadership because they're full of young players. Now, oh, if Rondo. you want to talk about being gamed, they were gamed on Gallinari. I don't know why they, they paid him. They, 60. I, yeah, they, I never thought Gallinari was going to get that much money. I knew he was going to be somebody, but they gave him way too much. I thought he was going to go to a contending team. That's what. That's I, what he, but that's what he said. That's what he said. He got $61 million, and I'm going – one, he's never healthy. We all know he can shoot. But if you're not on the forward, that jump shot's not going to be there. He's not the greatest, he's not the greatest uh, defender in the world. You, you don't have to overpay him. Now you don't pay through $72 million at Bogdanovich. He can play, but he can't guard a shadow. So, I mean, they're going to need Rondo's leadership. I think they – and I, look – Rondo has to has to understand this too because it's going to be a real culture shock from coming from the Lakers with LeBron, AD, Rob Palenka, and those cats coming down to Atlanta where they're going to struggle to make the playoffs. So, in other words, you're going from the penthouse to the outhouse a little bit on the situation and whatnot. But if he goes in there saying, "Hey, we're um, we want you to mentor, we want you to uh, get everybody where they need to be." Be a leader and be a voice in that locker room. You're an extension of the coaching staff. Rondo is the perfect guy for that. Now, if he goes in there thinking he's going to do what he did in game six of the, um, of the NBA finals, they may be looking to trade him at the, by, uh, by the trade deadline. Because this is a test to see if Trey Young can also play off the ball. Absolutely. If, if, if you're going to play Rondo with Trey Young, that means Rondo has to have the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. And Young is going to have to be off ball, which gives you a very bad defensive backcourt, which means Cam Reddish, 
which means DeAndre Hunter, which means John Collins and Clint Capella had better be at their peak. That's what they need to be focusing on tremendously is defense. Let's just do the East because we're going to have to do part two of this because we've been so deep in the East. I, tomorrow we're going to do the West. So let's finish the East. You want to do that? Does that work? Yeah, we can do that. Keep it going, man. Okay. So let's go to Charlotte and Michael Jordan. They get, they get mellow, but you bring in Gordon Hayward and you have Terry Rozier, you have Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington. And all of them, all of those guys are good players. But you bring in Hayward for this amount of money on this deal. And do you think that there's, there's no way you get $30 million worth of value out of Hayward? Even if he's healthy, he's not a $30 million player. But to me, the thing with Melo is if you're drafting LaMelo Ball, what you have to do is turn, you have to turn your franchise over to him. You have to let him fail. You have to let him find his game. And you also have to have a veteran around to put around his shoulder and say, hey, little brother, you got all this going for you, but let's slow down. There is not a veteran on that, in that locker room. They let The last one they had, Nicholas Batum, they let him go. He goes off the sides of minimum deal with the Clippers. So – you don't have a veteran presence. You have guys like Terry Rozier who left a winning situation in Boston and thought he was going to get one in Charlotte and ain't got it. Devontae Graham can shoot the three but shot below 40% for the season last year, so I'm not fully on board with him as being a starting guard in this league. Malik Monk has not turned into anything special in this league. You already flamed out with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. You'd still, so you still don't have anybody who can play the three spot for you. Miles Bridges is, is more of a two than a three because he's basically 6'5". Not, he's not 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, P.J. Washington is a better 3'4 than he is a 4'5", and you got him playing in the post a lot. LaBello's going to want to run. I don't know if this team can rebound to give them any opportunities to run. I just, I just don't know what Charlotte is, man. Okay. Uh, let me uh, say it like this. LaMelo Ball is going to be a bust. Um, I don't care what they tell you. We've already talked about Ben Simmons can't shoot. LaMelo Ball can't shoot either. He can pass the ball, and he is the greatest marketing scheme that I've seen from LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball, this is about LeVar Ball. He convinced the Lakers to get him, pick him at, pick his son at number two. And to be totally honest with you, what, they got lucky and they they traded him, they traded him for Anthony Davis. Okay, so they got out from under all that. He did the same thing with LaMelo Ball. He he, he showed, it shows what, the YouTube clips, playing 15 games in a day. I think Melo is better than that. I no, think you got absolutely. You can't shoot and he can't defend. At least Lonzo can defend. Lonzo will he, lock you what up. What he can do is at six eight, he can rebound. He he is a better finisher in the lane than Lonzo. Lonzo did not have any finishing ability when he came to the league, and it's, I think he's going to get taller and bigger. I think all said and done, Melo's going to be around six nine. 
by the time he's all said and done. And when his body starts to fill out, I think mm-hmm. what you turn LaMelo Ball into, really? Michael, it, Michael Carter-Williams? No, 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 no. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. Don't make me get up, man. <laughs> Don't make me get up. No. Seven. Lamar Odom was a prodigy. LaMelo is not a prodigy. LaMelo can shoot. LaMelo had the handles. He could defend. He had long arms. No. LaMelo is going to be a bust. I want, you, I want you to hold on to this one. All right. I want you to hold on to this. All right. I want to look you in I think LaMelo will be a, a the star the way we use star. Like he will be somebody who gets you. He could at his peak. I think he can be a twenty-eight and five. You know, like a dude who gives you twenty points, eight assists, five six boards, and could get you a steal or two a night. I think he can do that. Now, do I know if he's going to be a winner? I do not know that. I do that not means know. That. So he's looting in the right. Let me tell you what he's going to be. The Hornets love marketing. They need. I, I get it. They need somebody to at least pay attention. To the franchise. I got that. Not a problem. But do you know who I compare him to? Remember Raymond Felton and Sean May, who played for the Carolina who played for Carolina? Well, look, at least Raymond because they assumed that people would come and watch. Sean May couldn't make it a year. Sean May was built for college basketball. He wasn't built for, for the NBA. Sean May didn't have an NBA. And LaMelo Ball is. Look, Melo played against men. At the very least, I know he played against men. In an Australian league? That's better than NCAA. That's better than NCAA. Anything in NCAA. Look Ooh, at what's Bruh. Who, who in NCAA? Look, what came out of the NCAA this year in the draft? What? What came out? Cassius Winston was the best player in college basketball last year, right? Cassius Winston yes. was probably the best player in college basketball last year, right? Yes. Second round. Second round. Let's look, the year before that. The year before that, Zion Williamson goes one. R.J. Barrett, who we about to talk about with the Knicks, R.J. Barrett goes three, and R.J. Barrett is hot garbage. All right? R.J. Barrett is hot garbage. And they said that was the number one recruit in America. You can't make you can't look. You cannot make you cannot make that. Uh, you can't make an assumption on that. Uh, we cannot. Um, we can't go. We can't grade R.J. Barrett yet. R.J. Barrett is garbage at Duke. I continued he was garbage at Duke, and he was going to be garbage when he came to the NBA. I was on record as saying that there was no reason for the Knicks to take him at three. Cam Reddish is still going to be the better pro, I believe. And even if Cam Reddish just turned to a journeyman, he'll be better than whatever R.J. Barrett comes because R.J. Barrett does not have a single NBA skill. He is not an elite shooter. He is not an elite passer. He is not an elite rebounder. He is not an elite ball handler. He is not an elite free throw shooter. He is not an elite defender. He is not an elite athlete. There is not a single elite skill. That he RJ plays for the Knicks, man. You got to – you gotta have players around him so he can develop. Give the dude a shot. How no. you gonna how you gonna no. call RJ Barrett, considering you're a Knicks, we're Knicks fans, everybody, so bear with us. How you gonna dog uh, how you gonna dog uh, RJ Barrett? And he went to he went to Duke, he went to um the New York, he played okay. He did right. not star like Zion Williamson. And look, even at nobody no job he brought Zion down. The reason Duke couldn't do nothing in the postseason was because R.J. Barrett thought he was going to shoot every shot and shot Duke right out of every game they lost was because R.J. Barrett shot below 40 
percent. And then when he came to the NBA, what did he shoot? Below 40%. Kevin Knox can't shoot. RJ Barrett can't shoot. We about to get into the Knicks and their whole damn non-shooting team. But we done on Charlotte. Let's move on to the next step. Let's just rip they non-shooting. No good. Sorry, Knickerbocker behinds. Because they go out and they got the worst coach possible for that team in Tom Thibodeau, in my opinion. You get Nerlens Noel, who I don't understand why you bring in Nerlens Noel when you're still trying to get Mitchell Robinson to be your center. Then you get Obi Toppin, and yes, he has talent. But at the same time, your power force should not be your best shooter. Your power force should not, and they have enough. They still got more power forwards on their roster than they know what to do with. Okay. We're not going to get around this Obi Toppin thing. I keep telling you the same thing. One, he's box office material. You're going to have to get a re- – we have to find reasons to get in front of a TV screen to watch your team. The dude can jump out the team, out the, out the gym. The guy can dunk on anybody. This dude brings excitement. And here's the main thing. He wants to be there. There's a difference between being there and they want to be there. They are a trained wait station to go to the next NBA team. The Knicks are a quagmire. They are a the step above the Sacramento Kings, man. How, how he long long wants Tom to tries to run that dude into the ground, playing him 87 minutes a night on back-to-backs? <laughs> <laughs> You think Tom Thibodeau's going to cut down practice time this year because they got fewer games and fewer days? No. He's going to run over top and go play maybe two years in the NBA before he turns into his knees turn to dust. That's why Tom Thibodeau was the wrong man for that job. He was the only man for the job. Who could you – if not Tom Thibodeau, who? I mean, the assistants would have taken it. One of the assistants, you throw some money at him. One of them cool. good assistants out there. Mm, okay. Inmate Udoka, give it to Inmate. Give Udoka that job. He wasn't going to take that job. No, nobody don't want it. Thibodeau, That's my don't point. Need that money bad, boy. He don't want to be out of that, which I don't understand. But they gave Thibodeau these promises that they were going to push to win this year. But you see what that lineup looks like. They still don't have a point guard. They still don't have a shooting guard. They Who owns the team? (laughs) (laughs) It's Mitchell Robinson. Look, this is what they have. So your front court is Mitchell Robinson. You're going to have to play Toppin and Randall together in the front court. And in the back court, you're talking about Knox coming off the bench, Barrett starting at the two, and who you starting at the point? Dennis Smith? Start Dennis Smith? Man, come on. That's a t- come on, man. Come on, man. If they if do you think they win 20 games? You think the Knicks win 20 games? No. No. But right. in but, but when you're not winning 20 games, when you're when you're winning less than 20 games, you have to get a reason for fans to get in front of the TV set to support their team. OB Toppin is that guy. Is, is Toppin going to be able to get shots, though, because they don't have any guards? I think so. If he, he can get energy baskets. In other words, you, you offensive rebounds, energy, playing the lanes, getting steals, and playing hard on defense. Yeah, I think he can get some baskets. That's Mitchell's job. See, that's the thing. Is like that's Mitchell's job. Toppin needs to get some – like if I, if I was the Knicks, and it's not against Obi Toppin, 
But my thing is I felt like they needed somebody to – somebody's got to run that show, and nobody's in charge on the floor. And it's a lot to ask for Toppin to come in and, and take control of that group, which is as dysfunctional. I don't know which – if any of those guys – you brought Alfred Payton back! Like, what the hell? You brought Alfred Payton back? Come Who on. the team, man? <laughs> Who owns the team? Come on, like, man. All right. I don't know why you shot. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm trying to, I'm giving the, I'm giving your, your viewers what they're trying to do under the circumstances. We know the Knicks are going to stink. They'll stink next year. They'll stink for the next five years because no free agents want to go there. And I, I, and I told you. I will tell you this. There has been a lot of discussion because we know what we know a couple things, right? Mm-hmm. We know that World Wide West is very good, has good connections with LeBron James. They go back. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain point guard in New Orleans by the name of Lonzo Ball, who was a restricted free agent this offseason. Mm-hmm. The Knicks will have a lot of cash to throw around. Will they mm-hmm. not? Yeah. And Clutch is going to, and, and as they well, they should, whether it be Scott, like I say, whether it's Scott Boris in baseball or whether it's Lee Steinberg in football or whether it's uh, Clutch in basketball, they're going to try to get the most money for Lonzo they could possibly get. And the Pelicans now find themselves in a very interesting financial quandary. Mm-hmm. because they still have yet to announce an extension for Josh Hart. They still have yet to announce an extension for Lonzo Ball, who is in the final year of his deal. Mm-hmm. They can't afford all of them after what they just paid for Steven Adams at $17.5 yeah. million. Dollars. Mm-hmm. A two-year extension at, for the next couple of years. Brandon Ingram just signed for the max. Zion Williamson is in two years going to be due for He'll get his money. money. Yep. And on top of that, you don't have a bench right now for the Pelicans, and we'll get into them tomorrow. So Lonzo Ball, to me, is a prime candidate to find himself in New York next year. Uh, that sounds good, but you're using common sense, and which is hard to use. Which is hard to use. Hard, I mean, it doesn't it hardly. It doesn't where compute. else can Lonzo get a max deal? Where else is Lonzo going to get a max deal next year? He's not going to get a max deal. The Knicks will I don't throw think him he... a max deal. The Knicks will throw him a max deal because what they would say is Lonzo in the open court with Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, now we got some because we can have something similar. If, uh, now you just got to try to see if R.J. Barrett, like you said, if R.J. Barrett turns into what you got and you say mm-hmm. Lonzo's the passer, R.J.'s the swing guy, and I got Obi and Mitch up front, and figure out what to do at the small forward spot, and then that's how the Knicks become do that thing again where they end up on the back page and folks talk about them. And it's that fast for the papers to pick up on and say that is an actual viable option. Let the Knicks do that. You know that's how it's going to go down. And if it goes down that way and they throw a max deal at Lonzo, at Lonzo Ball, why don't they just hire me? <laughs> because you can get much. Like, can you, if you want to spend – I mean, if you just want to throw dollars at people – 
it's just he's not worth that type of money. I mean, if you can get him for, for let's say two years at nineteen million, fine, and we can see, and then we can talk about it, and you can get Rich Paul to say we can deal can't with get that. Russell thirty, no, that's you fine. Can't give Lonzo thirty million dollars. You can't do it. You can't give Lonzo thirty million dollars. I love Lonzo. You can't give him thirty million dollars. Two that's years at nineteen mil. Do that. We ain't gonna discuss the Cavs because there's nothing to discuss with the Cavs. The Cavs are dog shit. Nobody cares. But the last team we gotta discuss is the Pistons. And I have, again, I have no idea. You give Jeremy Grant 20 million per. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant. Tw- Jer- Jeremy Grant. Tw- Jeremy Grant. Tw- <laughs> like, like, I'm having trouble. <laughs> Jeremy Grant, 20 million per. Mason Plumley. DeLon Wright. Trevor Ariza. Oh, yeah, they traded Trevor Ariza. They traded him, yeah. <laughs> They let Christian Wood go. Didn't offer him no money. Didn't offer him nothing. You just let him go. You let Luke Kennard, the only dude on your team that can shoot the basketball, you let him go. Blake Griffin getting older. You could have traded him to a contender. Somebody would have taken on that deal if you would have ate some of the salary. But you stuck with this team. You ain't got no shooters. You ain't got no ball handlers. You draft Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes, 19 years old, and can only go to his left. I think he's a very talented player, but as we know, point guard is the most difficult position to go from college to the NBA, and he's coming mm-hmm. from the international. Like, you see, like your problem with LaMelo. At least LaMelo from America and understands American basketball. This yeah. is a culture shock for Killian Hayes. Yes. So and what the hell are the Pistons doing? Trying to save money. Like I said, there are owners out there that are struggling. They don't want to lose any more money than they have to. They know the team ain't going to be no good with Christian Wood or not. They're not going to be good with Christian Wood, so what are you going to do? Now, look, Jeremy Grant played well against the Lakers, and he was a – he can't handle the basketball. He is just, not a good rebounder. He is an individual defender who may give you 12 to 14 points a night. Maybe. Yeah. But you know what happened? He played well against the Lakers in front of a national audience. 20 million, And he bro. parlayed it into a $20 million, 20 million. deal. 20 million. But he, make it make but sense. He, he, make it make sense. He parlayed it into it. He played well against the Lakers. He parlayed it into a $20 million deal. And the, the Pistons overpaid for him. That's just simple and basic. And Jeremy Grant wanted uh, he wanted to be uh, the number one guy. He got that position. And he will be the number one option. That's what he wanted. How, how does a team – And you st- okay, Derrick Rose and everybody uh, – we all love Derrick Rose. We all love Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. But Derrick Rose is still – a two times a week player at this point in his life. Like he can give you a couple good games a week. He's not going to drop 50 on the regular. He's not going to drop there. That's still your most effective perimeter player. Like they're not trying, man. They're not. They're, they're trying. No, they're trying to save money. That's if you're not, you if know, he's trying to save money, as well as I do. Why would you give 20 million 
Why would you? Because you have to spend the money. You have to have a. You have to have a. There is a. There is a. There's a ceiling. Yeah, you gotta reach the. There's a floor that you have to spend the money. But would you have given that? I would have rather have given that. I don't know. But they kept taking in people and then sending them right back out and not getting anything. Like they were. They were. They were waving people and cutting them loose. And it's it's like, why did you? You just said it. You're saying it. If you let somebody go, do you have to pay them in the future? That's my point. I mean, we can stop right there. You're analyzing. You're analyzing the unanalyzed. This is a very. This is easy. You're paying Blake Griffin. His knees are done. I don't care how people spin this. That's why he's not in L.A. no more. That's why the Clippers got rid of him. They knew his knees were deteriorating. They overpaid him. Detroit took the deal. They're stuck. And you're saying, well, they could have traded him to somewhere. Who wants him? When you say, I want to trade. And they, I love it when people do this. And they come at me when I'm writing about these trade scenarios. Okay, fine. Put yourself in the other side. You're not a Lakers fan anymore. You're a Cleveland fan. You're an Orlando fan. If you're the GM of the other team, are you willing to be fired to take a bad – take a guy with, with, with bad knees and that bad not, contract with hamstring if, if I were Charlotte, if I were Jordan, I would have rather taken Blake Griffin's much shorter deal with bad money to have someone play the four – than to take on that Gordon Hayward deal, another dude who can't stay healthy and who has a longer deal and ultimately will cost you more. I would have made the trade for Blake Griffin to give up nothing because they wouldn't ask for nothing because like this, they were cutting everybody. Mm-hmm. So they would have taken that and Michael Jordan would have been in a better situation. But again, we talk about David, David, David I'll, I'll, let me put it to you this. We can put the Gordon Hayward thing to bed right here. Your general manager for the Charlotte Hornets is Mitch Kupchak, right? The Lakers are still paying for Mitch Kupchak's mistakes to this day because Lou Alding's $5 million, which was stretched over a couple of years ago, is still on the books. The Lakers tried to go to the NBA to get it, off the, get it off the salary cap. Why? Yes, the last two twice. years. And in two years, guess what they said? No. This is all for what Mitch Kupchak did. So I'm not shocked in any way, form, or fashion. What you're saying is making total sense. However, they looking at this guy, and you got to understand something else too. And you're right; they could have traded for 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 uh, for uh, Blake Griffin, whatever the case may be. But would he have wanted to stay there? No, of at course least he but he doesn't want to stay there. in Detroit. Look, is he going to at least Charlotte? At least has something. Detroit got nothing. Like, and if you Blake Griffin, would you rather spend your winter in Charlotte or Detroit? I love Detroit; that's my hometown. I love Detroit, but if you Blake Griffin at this point, the knees, it'll get cold in Charlotte, as we know, but your uh-huh. knees feel a little bit warmer in Charlotte than they do in Detroit, bro. I love Charlotte, but look, NBA free agents don't. Um, do they, they love right Detroit? There. Now they, I guess now they do since they're getting $20 million for being mediocre, then they must, then I guess they feel all right, but. I love Charlotte. I live here. I love Charlotte to death. Guess what? NBA free agents don't. The East. Is going to be um, the East is going to be very fluid. Mm-hmm. I think the East. Actually, I would say this. I think the East and the West are very similarly constructed in set in the fact that they are top heavy. But the middle of the West goes deeper, and we'll get into that tomorrow. The middle of the West goes deeper, whereas the middle of the East is relatively thin. There might be four or five teams 
six at the most outside of that top four that you would say can make the playoffs. The bottom of the East is abysmal. The Cavs, the Knicks, you know, those teams, it's bad, bad, bad. When we get to the West, I don't think there's a team that in the West you look at and you go, unless the Rockets just implode on themselves, I don't think there's a team in the West that you look at and go, this is a disaster waiting to happen. There are teams that aren't going to win. But you don't feel bad about any of them. In the East, there are teams you look at and you go, this is this – This ain't it. This ain't it. I don't know what – like, again, if we, if we spend any time on the Cavs, the first question would be, what the hell are the Cavs doing? Because you got two guards that don't work together, that don't want to defend, and then you have nothing in the front. You spend all this money on Andre Drummond? Okay. All right. Cool. Like – I mean, just the East, their general managers, like you say, who have just clearly decided, what did Orlando do to get better? Nothing, nothing, nothing. They're saving money. But see, that's what I think your fan, your fan base needs to know this. Again, it's not about – it's about the floor, but it's more about business. Mm-hmm. It really, it really is. I mean, we we we're looking at we me and David were talking and saying, "Oh my God, what in the world are he doing?" But it's the money that's being saved. When you talk about Orlando, Orlando before they went to the bubble, they laid off their entire digital staff. So you're talking about not only the players, we're talking about the staff. Sacramento laid off a ton of uh, employees in the G League and their staff members. It may not even be. Uh, I mean, the G League is going to be this bubble-type G League this year. We don't even know yeah. if everyone's going to have players there. We don't even know. So There's no guarantee of that. And then with with the Phoenix Suns, they just they just started trading for Chris Paul. But guess what? Their staff had to take a 20% pay cut. And they got furloughed. So it's bigger than that. I think the ownership group, if they're going to, if, if they got a chance to win it, we're talking about the Lakers, we're talking about the Clippers, we're talking about the Nets, and a few others, they're going to push their chips in and we're going to, we're going to try and win. Because I think we've learned from the Warriors. Five years, they had a great run. They may not be back again. So they're looking at that. So they're going to, they're going to make their run while things, things are going well. The rest of those teams, if you don't have no chance, we are going to cut salary. Because they're going to cut expenses. They're all waiting for the draft. And we're just going to flip. We're going to tread water for the next two, three years. That's just the way it's going to be. Before we close, there's something that came up this weekend, and I wanted to get your thought on it. Because I said, I made the joke that Alvin Kamara must hate Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill will be taking his touchdowns in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And so I got a bunch of backlash from people who said, well, you know, winning players are not selfish like that. They don't care about stats. Now, since we've been talking about business, that's why I feel like you, you'd be an excellent person to make comment on this because I will tell fans that I need you and I believe you will echo this. Every player worth a damn knows his stats, knows the people who are his contemporary stats, knows the people who he is chasing. His or her, he or she that he is ch- that they are chasing stats. So I know that LeBron James knows exactly how many points away he is from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he has calculated in his mind how many games it's going to take for him to get there. I know LeBron knows certain that if he gets to this many assists, how many games it's going to take. He knows how many rebounds he wants to get to the certain level. Yep. Kobe Bryant knew those numbers. 
He knew what it meant to go on a streak of those 50-point games. LeBron knew what it meant to go on a triple-double streak. Magic Johnson knew what those things were. They would look. They said they looked at the other person's box scores. We've been hearing this our whole lives, that Bill Russell would go look at what Wilt did, and Wilt would go look at what Bill Russell did, and Magic would go look at what Larry did. And it's not just about that in the sense of winning. It's mm-hmm. also about the sense of getting paid because owners have told you that if you score this many points, you get this many boards, you get this many steals, that means more money to you. Ain't nobody got any winning bonuses in their contracts. They got numbers bonuses in their contracts. And mm-hmm. every dude on – you, you've seen players say, hey, that dude took a rebound from me. I got to average 10 a game to get my bonus. Don't be out here with these guards stealing my rebounds. Mm-hmm. You, it is a serious thing. And people th- – winning players, yes. Steph Curry knows. LeBron James knows how many points it takes to win a scoring title, to win an assist title. They all know. And I'll take it further than that. The NBA is guaranteed money. The NFL is not guaranteed money. The guaranteed money is in the signing bonus. You get a signing bonus for a certain amount of money. Let's take, uh, let's say I got signed a deal 10 years at $130 million and 65 million of it is guaranteed. What this means is there are bonuses and stipulations in your contract saying I have to score 15 touchdowns. I get a million dollars a year. And if I don't get that money, I don't get my, I don't get my $1.5 million. That is what David is telling you. So yes, Guess what? You don't pay the rent with winning. The light bills do not stay on with winning. You don't get commercials with winning. Hate to tell you this, this is a capitalistic way of doing sports for the next two to three years. And uh, it don't sound sweet, but it's true. It's a job. They know because when they go negotiate, they can be. You could have gone fifteen and one. You know, say you go fourteen and two. But mm-hmm. if you threw for 25 touchdown passes and this dude over here threw 45 touchdown passes and you telling me you worked as much as him, I'd be like, well, look at his numbers. Exactly. Why you, why you, th- you think I can't find somebody to get better numbers than you? And that's what mm-hmm. the owner's going to say because that's what they do. You only scored 20 points a game. Why do you think you're worth this? Yeah. The only teams that do that are teams that are in the midst of championships. They understand what the value is. That's why Draymond Green can get a deal like he got because he was a focal point of a championship team. But the average role player is looking for that one deal because in every athlete's career, there's generally Mm -hmm. one deal that you strike gold on unless you're a super-duper star. But you're looking for that one deal, and that supersedes winning because that's your job. And when that game is gone, don't nobody remember them rings you got. They remember how much money you got, and your kid's going to remember how much money daddy got. And on top of this, Alvin Kamara's a running back, right? They value value that position least than any other position in the National Football League. You You got four to five years to get your stats, get your money, and get out of town. Because by the time you hit 30, you're damaged goods. Everybody knows that. That's just the way it is. Is it fair? No, but it's just it's just the way it is. Deal with it. And that selfishness, too, that's what drives great players. Because yeah. if you don't believe that on a given night, the most efficient way for us to win is to give me the ball, whether it's in football, ba- basketball, if in baseball, is that if we're going to win, I need to hit or if yeah. I need to pitch. That selfishness is what makes greatness. 
And if you don't have that, if you don't have that confidence, you don't need to be there. Because in football is going to get you killed. Basketball is going to get you embarrassed. Baseball, like, look, hitting a curveball, forget it. I mean, you, you can't play a sport without 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 a level of arrogance. I mean, I can tell you, I can be. I mean, I can tell you, I can be Michael Jordan. I believe that until I get on the floor with the man and then get get destroyed twelve to nothing. But you still have to have that. There's two examples that I point to, and then I'm gonna let you go. Mm-hmm. The number one one is Walter Payton in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty. That's the team. Bears win it forty. Won that game forty six to ten at the time, the worst Super Bowl beatdown ever. Mm-hmm. What did Walter Payton remember about that? He didn't get a touchdown in that game. Mm-hmm. Now you would say, why does it matter? The team won. We got they they accomplished the, the goal. The goal was to win the Super Bowl, not for Walter to get a touchdown, but for Walter Payton. That's the selfishness that drove him all in years to make the Bears what they were. Yeah. That same selfishness in the Super Bowl. And that's what it is. And it's not a bad thing in that case. That same selfishness is what said, no, in this state, you should have figured out how to get all the stuff I did for you all these years. And you couldn't figure out. And they they shortened that man's life. Okay. The pounding that man took, the beatings, like when I tell you, certain players is the only reason people tune in to watch for the first 10 years. He was the only reason because they were horrible and he starred on a team that was terrible. So yes, you have to get in. And if it's a lifetime achievement award touchdown, so be it. It had to happen. And that stuff is, and he, that lived with him the rest of his life until he died. He thought about that. Fact that he did all the things he accomplished, broke the rushing mm-hmm. record, considered the uh, one, two, three in the list. Of, he's on that of greatest backs of all time. Mm-hmm. Eight, four. He's either one, two, or three. Yeah. So, and that, that is the thing to haunt. The other is the movie Eight Man, Eight Men Out by Chicago White Sox and the, and the, the first, um, you know, Black Sox scandal. You have cheating on a major level. Mm-hmm. We didn't. Eddie Seacock goes to talk to Charlie Comiskey and he says, I think you owe me my $10,000 bonus because I, you know, you, I was going to get that for winning 30 games this year. And then he goes over and he said, How many games did Mr. Seacock win this year? 29, sir. 29 ain't 30, Eddie. Said, But you didn't pitch me for the last two weeks. Had to rest you up for the postseason. 29 ain't 30, Eddie. You get what, I, what you owed. That's why players pay attention to their stats. And also, they pay attention to their stats while the owners pay attention to contracts. You got to get your numbers. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to ever think that they're like you're naive. I think people are naive if they think that players are not aware of how many touchdowns they got, how many yards they got, who has how many touchdowns next to them, all that stuff. They all know. They all know. Tyreek Hill looking at Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is looking at DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is looking. They're all looking at each other. They know what the stats are. They all it's all about knowing your worth. It's about Tom knowing Brady your worth. Tom Brady knows how many touchdowns he got. Uh-huh. He's looking at Drew Brees every day. These two dudes, no. So, folks got to get over that. It's, it's, not, it's not hurting your feelings. But if until people start realizing this, like you said, the theme of this show might as well be it's a business. Mm-hmm. And, and, and look, all you got to do is watch watch the Purple Rain scene when the club owner talked to Prince. This is a business. Don't you ever forget that fact. 
That's what that's the theme of the show. Bring people into the building. That's what I don't care what your music sound like. It might be the greatest thing ever written. Shake mm-hmm. asses that don't work here. So that's all. <laughs> and that's the same thing. If you don't you don't get paid unless you unless you perform. Perform. Mm-hmm. Most teams will not win. That's the thing. If the overwhelming majority of teams don't win, then the guys who get paid have to get stats. Yep. That works. We're gonna be back tomorrow and we're gonna do the Western Conference because bro, we could, you know, we do this. This is how we do it. <laughs> so uh, Rod, tell them how they can follow you, what you got working. I've been seeing your stuff pop up, and I know this is now. This is the once tomorrow hits, it's all back on for you. Yeah, I'm on a at Sport World Order. Uh, I was on a hiatus because I mean, when the Lakers, when the Lakers win the world title, I mean, how many changes they gonna make? Uh, I mean, if you want to look around, uh, I'm on LakeshowLife.com. Uh, my latest was on. Uh, a political piece about LeBron James, who his greatest um, teammate was. Everybody wants to talk about Anthony Davis, uh, D. Wade, uh, Chris Bosh, Kyrie Irving. The best, uh, his best uh, teammate was Barack Obama. Because believe it or not, if it wasn't for Barack Obama saying y'all need to just go ahead and finish the season, people do not realize how close it was to shutting down the entire season. The players were getting ready to go home. They were really ready to go home. And uh, Dennis Schroeder, and talking about the, the uh, genius of uh, Rob Palenka and how he turned things around uh, for the Lakers, but actually hurt the Clippers in the process. Yep. So check him out, please. And uh, we're going to be back tomorrow for part two of this conversation when we talk about the Western Conference. So for my man Ron Ages, I am David Grubb, and this has been Hard to Paint. Talk to y'all tomorrow. Peace. Peace.